Greg asked me to speak today. Um, I like to give him a hard time because he gives me weird passages to preach on. Um, and by weird, I mean the ones that he doesn't want. Um, <laughs> but today, he went a step further and he said, it's an invitation to Lent. Period. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> um, and I said, oh, okay. <laughs> what else? He's in that. It's an invitation to Lent. And that was it. And I said, all right. Um, and it felt like in a math class, I don't know if any of you have experienced this, where your teacher gives you the answer to the equation, and then they want you to kind of fill in the blanks and tell them how they got that answer. And I'm like, I don't know. You came up with the answer. <laughs> like, how do I know? And I'm really bad at math, so we'll see how this goes today. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to try. But in all seriousness, I really do appreciate Greg's um, trust in me to do this. And so before we dive into the scriptures today, um, I would like to open with another prayer. And it's not a prayer that I came up with, but it's one from a fellow pastor. And so she prays and we pray together that God, I know the words I'm about to speak are not for everybody, but in you, I trust that they are for somebody. And I pray that your spirit would sort this out and that my words would be like seeds falling on good soil and that they would bear more fruit than I could imagine. But I know that some of these words are mine and they are not yours. And I pray that those words would slip away and be left behind. And that today we would only hear what you want us to hear. To you be the glory, Lord. Amen. And I pray that the wind goes away. <laughs> um, so, if you have your Bibles and you would like to follow along, I'm going to start in John chapter 5. And I'm going to jump around a little bit. We're going to be filling in this weird equation that equals we've prepared our hearts for Lent. Um, so just bear with me and trust that in the end, everything might make sense together. But John chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. This is the healing at the pool. It says, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate is a pool which is surrounded by five, colored five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get made well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. When I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to pick up your mat and walk. Now that we've read that story, I want you to just kind of put it in the back of your mind. And we're going to really jump forward. And this will make sense eventually. Um, but we're going to jump all the way forward to Exodus now. Exodus chapter 20. And we're going to do a refresher course of the Ten Commandments. <laughs> um, and so Exodus chapter 20 says, And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or earth below or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I am the Lord your God. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. 
Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. And you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And the footnotes in my Bible um, explain the Ten Commandments as this. It says, At the foot of Mount Sinai, God showed his people the true function and beauty of his laws. And I really loved that phrase, that the Ten Commandments were showing the people the true function and beauty of God's laws. The commandments were designed to lead Israel to a life of practical holiness. They were guidelines intended to direct the community to meet the needs of each individual in a loving and responsible manner. By Jesus' time, however, most people looked at it the wrong way. They thought to obey every law would earn them God's protection. Law-keeping became an end in itself instead of a means to fulfill God's ultimate law of love. So recently at youth group, um, weird transition, uh, recently at youth group, <laughs> we uh, revamped our youth group rules. And I was going over them with the kids at the end, and I said, you know, none of these rules are specific to our group. I'm not making these rules because I want, like, the power of having rules or something like that. You know, I wasn't on a power trip or whatever it might be. But I said, these are all lessons that you need to learn for life. Like, these rules are for your lives. They're lessons for you guys to just practice now and then create as habits later on. Rules like putting your phone away during the service. It's not because I want your phone. It's because when you're with someone in person, you should focus on who's in front of you, right? And rules like um, keeping people's secrets. Like, when people confide during prayer group, keep it in prayer group. Oh keep it in prayer group. Um, (laughs) And um, those are things too, like in life, as you go around and you're learning things, it just creates trouble when you share that with other people. And so that's how all of our rules are for a group. They're, They're not rules, they're just lessons. And it's reminiscent of the same thing that God did. Like I did not come up with this idea. Um, but it's just meant to meet the needs of each individual in a loving manner to create practical holiness. Um, But as I stop and I reflect on my life, I can see how law-keeping has become an end in itself, just like it happened back in Exodus. Um, I, I can see how I've tried to just please God by keeping his rules instead of using those as a means to fulfill his law of love. I'll just stay in line. I can check things off the list go about my day, Um, but checking things off the list of rules that you can follow is not the same as living into those rules. The commands are meant to refine us, and it's very important to remember that not all of us need to be refined in the same way. So not all of us are going to read the Ten Commandments or the commands of Jesus and be triggered by the same ones. Um, we all have something different that hinders us at any point in time. And for me, the one that I realized recently that I was just checking off my list as, oh, I'm good on that one, um, is do not covet. Because I thought I wasn't coveting anything. Um, (laughs) And um, 
So I would just read these and I'm like, oh, I'm good there. I'm good there. You know, these are no problem. And when I actually look at it, I'm like, yeah, you know, do not covet your neighbor's wife. Okay. Well, my neighbor is my brother-in-law and my sister. And I lived with my, I shared a room with Ashley for 15 years, so he can keep her. I'm good there. Um, <laughs> they don't have a donkey, so I'm good there. Um, we have similar houses, so I'm good there. Like I can check that off my list and go about my day and not think about that one anymore. And then I realized that it goes so much further than that and that I was using that as a means to an end, that I was checking that off my list and then I was checking out from what it was really telling me. And so this is the challenge that I'm going to go with you guys on today um, to take a look at the guidelines and the rules that you think you have mastered for Christ, that you've checked off your list. Because if you think that you've mastered something, it really just means that you've stopped letting it help you grow. If you're checking it off your list, you're not checking in anymore. And that's not God's intention for us because he's not trying to control us. He's trying to refine us. Um, so I would love to tell you a little bit about my coveting lifestyle um, and how God has grown me through all of that because, because yeah. Um, <laughs> so my husband and I recently moved about a year ago um, and our house is great and we love it. And the thing that's just been on our minds the whole time is like, oh, we can't wait to replace our floors. Not important. The floors work. I don't know why this was our thing that we focused on. But we created our priority list and, you know, paid for other things that were more important first and have just been like working towards this new floor thing. And part of my hatred with the new floor, hatred with the old floors, I should say, is that we have tile and I also have a three-year-old boy who goes to the bathroom and misses a lot. <laughs> and there's grout in the bathroom and it grosses me out. And I'm like, oh, it's so gross. Um, little boys are gross. And so I'm just like, I just can't wait to replace this floor. And I also go into thinking about what other little boys lived here before us and what's in the floor. And so I just, oh, I'm so consumed by it. And God's like, focus page. Um, <laughs> and so it's just gross. And so I found myself, um, I've found myself just being a little bit consumed by this. And people would come over and we'd show them our house and I'd be like, oh yes, our house is so great. I can't wait till the floors are done. I'll be so much happier when my floors are done. I will be happy when fill in your blank. I, my life will be better when fill in your blank. I will be content when finish the equation. When will you be happy? Is it when you move to a bigger house? or when your kids stop going to the bathroom on your floors, or when you finally graduate school, or when you have a baby, or when you get a better job, or when your kids start calling you more, or when COVID is over, or when the elected officials change, or when you lose a little bit of weight, or when you get a new car, or when you go on vacation. And what I realized is that coveting isn't always pointed at other people. Um, it's not that we want what somebody else has, it's that we don't want what we currently have. And so I was checking this off my list because I thought, well, I'm not, I'm not coveting anyone, but I'm not enjoying what I have. And I think that's important. Um, and you know what happened is I was so concerned with my floors, and then in the blink of an eye, my son broke his femur, and he couldn't even stand on my floors. And he, oh, the baby. Um, no! <laughs> I don't even know how to fix that. Um, <laughs> Um, but in the blink of an eye, <laughs> the, the vase fell in the blink of an eye. Um, no, in the blink of an eye, he broke his femur and he went from 
peeing on my bathroom floors and grossing me out to being in a full body cast from his armpits to his ankle. And he couldn't walk for seven weeks, let alone pee on the floor or get out of bed on his own or do any of those. And suddenly, none of it mattered. mattered. And I found myself wishing for the days when wanting a new floor was my biggest problem. But I realized that my priorities were all wrong. And my eyes were open so much further than that. I wasn't just wishing that the trauma hadn't happened, but I was rejoicing that it wasn't worse. I wasn't wishing for the past or longing for the future. I was just present. Was our current situation ideal? No. For almost two months, my child could not stand. He couldn't go to the bathroom on his own, and he had muscle spasms so bad when he tried to sleep that we had to give him Valium, which is terrifying. Um... And nobody warns you about that stuff. And I wish that away. And I wanted it go bad. I wanted it gone so bad. But the cast itself, I had learned and I knew better than to spend seven weeks wishing and saying, I will only be happy when this is all over. No. I am content now. And that does not mean that we ignore the pain and the suckiness of our current situation. <laughs> we can admit in our lives when things are not ideal. We don't need to have this like toxic positivity of, you know, things could be worse, so don't complain. But we can't become so consumed with wanting better that we fail to see the beauty of what is already around us because that's a disservice to God and the life that he has given us. Do not covet does not just mean don't be jealous. It means to be present with where God has you. And now you might be wondering, why? Why do we need to be present? Like, can't I just live in my own bubble and focus on my thing? And so that's where that story of um, the healing at the pool comes back in. And there's a line in that story where Jesus asks the man, he says, do you want to get well? And sir, the invalid replies, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. For 38 years, this man had no one help him into the pool. When we become so consumed with trying to make ourselves well and trying to fill our own, I will be happy when, we often ignore the needs of others along the way. Not only that, but we're ignoring others for something that doesn't even end up making us happy. That in the end, won't. So who did I miss while I was busy trying to fill in my blank? And yes, in this story, Jesus comes and he fixes it all. He takes the man and he tells him to walk and the man does. But Jesus also came to teach us to do that. To make us more like him so that we can, not so that we can replace him. But when we follow him and when we grow in him, we create a little bit more of heaven on earth. And that doesn't mean that we trample people or we push them over so that we can be made well. First, it means that we link arms and we walk together to the pool. Matthew 22, 36 through 40 says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replies, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Do not covet, Paige, because your desire to be happy will blind you to the ways that you can help others be happy. God has created us to work together. From the beginning, we needed a partner. God has created us to work together. We love God and we love each other 
and every other law points to those two things. As we go into Lent, we typically give up something that we do regularly. And the idea is that as we find ourselves doing these things, that instead we would stop and use that as a reminder to focus on Christ. And my floors were just one example of something that was consuming me a little bit. Um, Often it's that we have 10 floors. We have 10 blanks that we're trying to fill in and we're just constantly layering all these things up and then combined, that's what distracts us. I wasn't distracted from the world because I wanted new floors. That's just an example of one of many things that I was choosing over being present. And so if we all stop and look, we can probably find many little things, many little things that don't seem like a big deal, but when we let them add up, that's when we will lose sight. It's not a conscious decision and it happens slowly and easily. We give over something that is consuming our hearts and our souls and our mind. And so for Lent, as we prepare our hearts, my invitation to you guys is that maybe this year we can be a little bit more introspective. We don't need to give up our favorite snack or a TV show or whatever it is, but maybe we can give up um, like a habitual thought that is just consuming us, something that you know that you think about and probably worry about every day and just say, whenever this comes to mind, that's when I'm going to turn to Jesus. It doesn't have to be something physical. It can be something mental for you. Our love for God is what makes us follow his rules, his commands, and his love for us is why he gave us rules. His rules do not confine us, they refine us. And when we love him with all of our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength, we no longer need to get to the pool first. We stop focusing on ourselves. No one is left waiting for 38 years because God has commanded us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And that is exactly what we are doing at this time. Bookie is going to come up and lead us through a song of reflection. And during this, I just really encourage you guys to think once again about how are you going to prepare your hearts for Lent? What is your blank that you are trying to fill in? And what is preventing you from loving your neighbor as yourself?